because they're not overly relying on those. Hello? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, my bad. I, I saw you pause. Like, I was like, oh, well, man. I, I, I'm cutting into the nerdy news segment because we got some breaking sports news. Oh, it's cool that we recorded early in the morning. Uh, Tom Brady has announced he is retiring after 23 seasons in the NFL. Screens up here. Your your feng shui is thrown off is what you're implying. Yeah. So we out here blaming a wife. She can't even defend herself. And you out here blaming her. No, I'm not blaming her at all. Don't mm. don't start that. Have bro. some responsibility. Don't start that, bro. All right, episode. Coach, you say be accountable. Be... <laughs> episode ninety six. Episode ninety six of the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. My name is Deontay Epps, joined by my guy, my ace, my best man, my best friend, my co-host, Dane Beasley. Dane, how are you doing this? Early February morning, Black History Month. Oh, Damn, hey, Black History Month. Hey, first of all, you ain't got to throw my whole government name out there, okay? You just left it at Dame B, okay? Keep it some I sort of I do that every episode. I know, man. It just, it just felt, it hit different this time. It hit different this time, but right. I'm doing B pretty is. good, man. I'm doing pretty good. Got two pairs of socks on, Uh, you know, trying to stay warm on these uh cold, yeah. cold streets. Bro, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't even gotten to uh talk to you about that. Um, how are you guys doing dealing with the uh northeast like weather in Texas? The elements. Oh, sh- bro, we, I mean solid. Hopefully everybody's staying safe, staying warm. Uh and uh, I hope that people are with power and electricity, uh, because we know in the past few years it's been a bit unorthodox and not helpful for a lot of people. Um uh, when you when you don't have bare necessities to get by but it's been pretty good man we staying warm staying inside the house we're stocked up on food way ahead of time plenty of water all that good stuff uh but we're good it's just waiting it out to it all you know goes back to normal but yeah district I- is shut down surrounding districts i think are shut down they didn't have school yesterday and I'm not gonna have school today and yeah i don't know if they're gonna have school tomorrow either but yeah i um i showed karina this one video on twitter and you probably seen it already from yesterday about um, off I thirty five that curve when you come right, yeah, and people just out like pushing, and that's the thing about Texas. And I'm not trying to hop on like the northeast, you know, like uh, better than train. People but... don't care. People drive like they want to drive. They don't have any type of self awareness. Like they just don't. People don't care. I... That and I'm like, Texas. Why don't they invest in? like salt on the roads at least like they know this is coming like why not just prepare some of the most you know traveled on roads at least where people aren't i mean you know there's going to be people that travel but like i feel like they can make it easier on the residents somehow prepare the roads in some kind of capacity Um, I, i got a simple answer for you much like any or most of problems most of the problems that impact society in general uh, whether whatever part of the country you're on texas is very reactive instead of proactive they always yeah, wait for a problem that, to happen the big exactly. power out exactly yeah and it, it doesn't matter what it don't matter what type of political affiliation <laughs> he who shall not have. be named yeah yeah uh we're we just gonna roll along to the next topic but you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy bro very um, very reactive instead of proactive that's all i gotta say about that. yeah that's all i got 
<laughs> appreciate everyone for rocking with us episode 96 uh if you haven't already i'm sure you have if you already listened to this episode be sure to subscribe on apple and spotify um follow us on twitter at dips right steps at dame btx and instagram as well um the podcast social media is at duo sns podcast um and i want to thank dane in front of the audience because um, we were supposed to record, record Tuesday night. Oh, um, <laughs> oh you go, you go. Oh, you don't give me the opportunity to do it. You get to do it. Okay, go ahead. Fine, I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm stepping in front of the man, the, the slander, so to speak. Um, so I was, we were supposed to, we were supposed to record Tuesday night, and because uh, what's funny, the previous episode, I'm like, dang, you know, Tuesday night might be our, you know, our recording night because you know it feels like a good time in our schedules. But I recently joined a uh, work intramural volleyball team, and last night, Tuesday night, was our first game. And I lie to you not, man. <laughs> I'm washed. That's what I'm here to say. We had a wash session on one of our episodes, Dane, and it, it's come back to haunt me. I text Dane Tuesday night and asked if we could record early Wednesday because my back was hurting. So you can slander me now. I had to let it breathe for a minute. I'm going to take the high road on this one. I'm not going to stoop down to anybody else's level or the level that you expect me to stoop down to and take an opportunity to take a shot at you uh, at this moment of need and this moment of support that you have. However, here it comes. I'm happy for you that you're safe. I'm happy that you're healthy. I'm glad that you're better. Hopefully you got some Bengay up on there, you know, some Icy High, get that situated. And that you're not out here thinking that you're 22. You know, face the reality of you. You We in the 30s now, bro. Uh... Like at this point, at this point in time, there is no, there is no getting old. It's getting older. Yeah. You know, we 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 already there. So hope you you hope your whole spot, your whole you know, second floor, right? Yeah, I'm on the second floor. I, I, look, I I hope you got a ramp, some situation <laughs> in your crib to help you move around because from how you explained it to me last night, you wasn't even sure if you're gonna be able to walk again. So I'm, okay. I'm glad that you're good. Okay. I'm glad that you're good, and I'm glad that you're out there having fun and being active, but know your limits, old man. Yeah. No, know your limits. So um, I'm glad you're good though. I and and not only did the back kind of play as an issue, Spinal. I, was, <laughs> I didn't, I fell asleep like probably like an hour after you texted me. So I can imagine trying to record last night and me just like ah. off in the middle of the pod. <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah. Spinal. <laughs> Spinal. <laughs> he said, You broke your back? Yeah. <laughs> he said, Spinal. Spinal. Uh, episode 96, uh, Dane, the conference championships were this past weekend. We have our Super Bowl uh, competitors, and it happens to be our biggest rivals from each of our favorite teams. Uh, the Eagles dominated <laughs> the Niners. <laughs> the Chiefs, uh, with Patrick Mahomes, did Patrick Mahomes-like things, defeated the Bengals. But um, that Niners-Eagles matchup kind of 
um, went as we expected, at least what we talked about on last episode. Um, of course, Brock Purdy gets injured, like, first, second drive of the game. UCL injury yeah. he's going to be sidelined for six months, uh, supposedly. Um, but I think if Brock Purdy still stays in the game, it kind of go. It may not be that much of a deficit, but I, I mean, they had him seeing uh, stars or ghosts early in that game. They were putting that pressure on him that we talked about earlier in the game. Um, on the offensive side for Philadelphia, just, I mean, the Niners' defense was holding their own for a while, um, and showing why they were the number one defense in the NFL. Um, but eventually I felt like there were opportunities where the offense were putting them in bad positions where the Eagles were taking advantage turnover wise, field position wise. And at that point, even if you're the number one defense, it's going to be hard to stop, you know, the Philadelphia offense. And when you get put in those positions and Philadelphia took advantage, um, ended up winning 31, seven, any, uh, Anything that kind of surprised you? I guess not surprised, but what what kind of what were your feelings coming out of that game and watching that game? I was surprised the Niners' offense didn't put up much of a fight. Not that they, I mean, they were disadvantaged by losing their their franchise quarterback. <laughs> Dane says that begrudgingly. <laughs> And Looking at his face losing, right now. <laughs> and then losing their second franchise quarterback. And then losing their third franchise quarterback. <laughs> so it's a difficult uh, set of situations and circumstances to, for your head coach and your team to be in. Obviously, seeing the frustration set in on the sideline. Uh, but also, they're partially satisfying. Uh, regardless of the way the game was going to go, we all knew that the 49ers are going to get humbled that game just because the, the Eagles, they were, they're on a run. They have them, they're on a mission. And to answer, to address your question from earlier, I think I, I can speak for a lot of Cowboy fans. We're The 49ers are much more of a rival to us than the Eagles everywhere, and that's no shade to the Eagles. But just the way that the history between the two teams and nostalgia that, you know, is inevitably brought up or the nostalgia that everyone inevitably experiences when you talk about a 49ers and, you know, Cowboys game, uh, a very great it brought great joy to my heart to see the way that things played out. Uh, but I was more impressed. I was more impressed by the way I thought it was going to be a close game after the Christian McCaffrey touchdown, like that yeah. running stuff. I was like, dang, dang, dang. So I don't know. He, he, I, that he, was surprising. That was the most surprising part of the game to me. Like that, you know, never give up in that fight that just, you know, it never burned down. And then, of course, he became the emergency quarterback. Yeah, or was and there's, the there's only so much. I mean, as as good as Christian McCaffrey is, I mean, right. there's only so much you can do at that point when you're down to uh, Josh Johnson at quarterback, and then you're the quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that run was incredible. Uh, very, very light, light Marshawn Lynch ish yeah. run. And yeah. I say light because that Marshawn Lynch run run. Uh, against the Saints in the playoffs was had, had a lot of Marshawn uh, Lynch esque type runs and yeah. you know, and you know, and what's crazy you don't games. really think of Christian McCaffrey as that kind of back right you think mm-hmm. shifty um, getting around defenders but running through defenders is uh, yeah, bro. is a good one that's probably one of the the best trades um, that franchise has made in comparison to the Trey Lance trade ski which we talked about is it a ski yeah. mask trade well. 
What's crazy, maybe not because mm-hmm. the Panthers, you know, they it didn't like falter them. Like they right. still won games with the defense that they had, uh got picks, and we'll see mm-hmm. what those picks turn into eventually. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say ski mask just yet. Mm-hmm. Um you have to wait to how the draft plays out and then a few years yeah. down the road based on those drafts. Right. I got you. Okay. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good and mature way to think about you know trades. It's a great way to think yeah. about trades. That's <laughs> why you should think about trades. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Jalen Hurts, we talked about it last week. Like he's not putting up dominant stats, but you and I had a small text conversation about Jalen Hurts, and we talked about how Jalen Hurts played the game exactly how if you're a Cowboy fan you would expect <laughs> where the game Max is supposed to, play to be the played. Game. Right. Well, against <laughs> okay. against San Francisco specifically, yeah. take what they give take, you. The dinks. Take and what they give you. Don't yeah. force it. Right. And I mean the the stats. Let me look at the stats. The stats weren't they weren't pretty, pretty. but they, he he uh, did exactly what he was what he was asked to do to right. move the ball, keep the offense on the field. You know, have these lengthy drives and and wait. They already had the dagger in their back, but they had to twist that mug a little yeah. bit. So he, he 15, did exactly what he was 15 to. of 25, 121 yards. That won't, you know, that's not sexy stats. But the key one is not turning the ball over against this yeah. defense that, you know, thrives Hungry off defense. that. Yeah. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles, it was, besides that one drive, obviously, um, it was a dominant effort. I mean, and that's what you expect when they're down to their third string and, you know, emergency quarterback. Um a lot of people are saying, Dane, about the Eagles. Um, specifically, I don't even know if Erickson, Eric uh, will listen to this episode, but he had a tweet. <laughs> I don't know if you saw his tweet. Did you see it? No, nah, but I'm assuming – yeah, give, hit me with it. He, he said that the Eagles are the luckiest team to make the Super Bowl. Do you agree or disagree with that? I Look. I think there are elements on both sides that you have to acknowledge. Any team that makes it to the Super Bowl, regardless if it's the NFC or the AFC, there is a great deal of luck that is associated with their path to the Super Bowl, whether it's tipped passes that turn into touchdowns, tipped passes that turn into interceptions, the, um, the wind blowing just the right way when a pass is thrown or when a kick is made or not made, you know, different, you know, elements when you're talking about you can't control who you play. The, those schedules are, regardless of the way that conspiracy theorists and people with the tinfoil do-rags think about the, the NFL being this machine that's very fake or very structured in such a way that it's that it organically lets one team win versus another team. I, I can't speak on all those things, but you, you can only play who you play. It's not the defense's fault that a quarterback is of lower or higher quality. It's not the offense's fault if a defense doesn't have the players or personnel to give them much of a fight as they're pushing the ball down the field or running the rock down the field. But what we can say is we can we can have this conversation in more in depth once the Super Bowl is over with. We can say, mm-hmm. based on the outcome of this game, yeah, this team had they shouldn't have been there or it had an easy path to the you know to yeah. the title game, like and, whatever. And but his argument um was that they faced a whack Giants team, uh, and then an injury-riddled Niners team. Mm. Um, my argument to that, and I think someone responded in his comments. I wish I could pull it up. But 
the Eagles actually earned the right to play those teams by yeah. winning all their games and getting the one seed. Yeah, also, it's supposed to they, be that way. And in, <laughs> in, yeah, in the NFC, they were all year, you know, tabbed as the one of the better teams in the NFC, if not the best. And they earned the right to play those games at home. They earned the right to have the one seed, the bye, all yeah. those things that entails that. But like, I I, I agree with what you said, bro. That good it, point. Even further, furthermore than that, Deontay. The yeah. NFC is, and this is this goes back 20, maybe 30, well, I'd say 20, 20, 20, 25 years. The NFC has always been a cakewalk for whoever makes it. It's always been that way. You don't find as many dominant, consistently dominant offenses or even elite quarterbacks in the NFC as you do with the counterparts in the AFC. It's just, it's always been that way. Yeah. And that's not a slight or a diss to any way. Any Rams way, offense know. last year was pretty good. Well, just, just in, in general, not, okay. you know, not like. On average, let me say on average. On average, I'm more if I'm an unbiased fan, I'm more scared of what when an AFC team can do versus what an NFC team can do. That's just the that, reality. And I think that also goes back to like the quarterback loaded AFC. Well, yeah, it's been Mahomes as of late, obviously, but we talked about that loaded AFC quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's nice. so to speak. Right. It's nice. Um, yeah, I think Philly. I mean, shout out to to our brother, my brother, uh, Bo uh, Kenneth Epps Jr. <laughs> he called the score too, sorta like he he said a blowout, you know, thirty points. Situ- like, I'm I'm gonna have to. Uh, he wants to hop on the on the pod, so we'll probably get him in here next. Oh, week. get him, get him after the Super Bowl, please. After? Get him after the Super. Yeah, get him after the okay. Super Bowl. Okay, well, we'll try to get you on here, Bo. Bo will be listening <laughs> to this episode. Um. So we'll have have your people reach out to his people. Yeah, uh, we won't do our Super Bowl predictions until next week before the Super Bowl. But let's oh, let's, let's talk <laughs> about the AFC, bro. Um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, man, um, continues to add, add, add. Yeah, you did, you did. Continue. It's not add. even like I knew something nobody else knew. It's like exactly. I ain't betting against that dude. Yeah, <laughs> like doing it. Con- continuing to add to his already. Hall of Fame resume. Never seen a quarterback like this dude. High ankle sprain, which usually signs sidelines players like three to six weeks on the planning foot. This guy's yeah. This guy is going out there making you know Patrick Mahomes like plays, um, willing his team to victory twenty three to twenty over the Bengals. Um, Dane, I won't ask the easy question here about Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to talk about Cincinnati and that last drive. Well, I'm going to take it back even further. The big conversation coming out of this matchup was the officiating. Um, There were a couple of calls in favor of Kansas City in this game that kind of, I won't say changed the game, but it kind of shifted a momentum in a way that fueled this Chiefs victory, one in particular was the uh, what was it? The uh, intentional grounding on Joe Burrow. I don't know if you mem- remember that, where he threw the little dump off pass to. Uh, yeah, and it was like a shallow receiver, like maybe fifteen yards, eh, ten or fifteen yards away. But you can make an argument yeah. he was trying to get it to that guy. But yeah, there were a couple of plays that kind of changed the moment, and we've seen some big time referee 
goofs in the playoffs. The yeah. one that comes to mind specifically is the Saints Vikings non pass interference call. Oh, he knocked then, that boy face up. And then they added where you could review pass interference. Then they took it away after like two years. Uh, my question to you was: Is like these instances are coming up in in like playoff time, like mm-hmm. the time where it matters most? Do you think that there needs to some something needs to be done about the officiating, or that comes with the game, that comes with the territory, kind of thing? I would like to because this is a billion dollar industry, and they make so much money just off of. Ticket sales, well, let's just say ticket sales and, and revenue alone and those kinds of rep, merchandising revenue alone. There is an opportunity for the advancement and the usage, the extent, the extensive usage of items that don't or items that don't account for or use human error or can be responsible for human error. What do I mean by that? You can look at all, you know, plenty of other professional sports and the usage of technologies to help either speed up the game or help make, you know, calls so that it doesn't rely on human error and there can't it can't point back to, well, if this particular person would have just seen, you know, XYZ, I don't know. I don't know what the NFL can do. I know that there is an abundance of money that they can use to uh, to help prevent situations like these from happening and, and certain calls and take advantage of ball placement and and i don't i don't know i don't know what they can do is there a problem i I guess you can say if you're on the receiving if you're a Bengals fan you can say that yes there is an issue if you are uh if you were a 49ers fan after the devonta smith catch like of course you can say there's an issue if you were a cowboys fan during you know the green bay game during the the dreaded catch the des bryant catch of course you can say there's an issue if i'm a chiefs fan i think the officiating was perfect (laughs) <laughs> if I'm an Eagles fan, I think the officiating is perfect. It, it just yeah. it's all about a matter of perspective. Yeah. I don't know what they could do. Tan- Honestly, I don't know what they could do tangibly to fix it, Beyonce, if we can say that there is a problem. And I don't know if they would fix it. Um, yeah. And again, it goes back to the to the brothers with the you know tinfoil do rags on like the conspiracy that you know yeah. games are was, fixed or yeah, there was a whole I was gonna talk about that next. There was a whole this whole past few days talking mm-hmm. about post this game that the NFL is rigged. I think Arian Foster went on a podcast and talking about how the NFL is rigged. I didn't listen to what he said, but I think, um, I, I think there is kind of an issue, but I don't know how to, to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, my argument to that and something I always say, and it sucks as a fan, if you're put in this spot, but it's cliche, but I, I kind of agree with it was like, don't put it in the ref's hands, like make the plays you need to make to not be put in that predicament. Right. Um, So for instance, for the Bengals, they had a chance to go down the field and score even after that. Actually, I think that was near to their last drive, but Mm -hmm. other opportunities throughout the game where they could have took the lead. And um, what I thought was interesting. And I think I brought this up last week is the chiefs, really throughout the regular season do not like numbers and stat wise, they aren't ranked like as one of the top defenses, but every time playoff time comes around for these last five, six years on these mm-hmm. AFC championship runs that they have, the defense always steps up. Chris Jones, incredible. I didn't even know he, like he got his first ever playoff sack this past weekend. And 
that was hard to believe because he's always been such a dominant presence um, on that Chiefs D line. They have a ton of rookies um, on both sides of the ball making plays. And to come back to Patrick Mahomes, he did not have uh, uh, Kadarius Toney. Uh, Juju got knocked out for a few plays or series that game. Um, I think they, pass they, yeah, they lost uh, Valdez Scanling, I think. Um, so he was playing he with was a lot of too. Yeah, <laughs> he he went off too. too. Uh, but that kind of shows you like kind of who Patrick Mahomes is. Like, obviously we know who he is, but like everything that could have went wrong for him, like mm-hmm. losing his top pass catchers. He still had Travis Kelsey, but yeah, you get rid um, of that dude. That's, I mean, you might, yeah. you might even the playing field. Right. But losing your top pass catchers, um, playing on one leg essentially and still winning the game, like, you know, that grows to his legacy of what we're seeing. And it's something that if you don't already, like you should appreciate this guy. Like he is like, we're seeing in real time, probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game athletically and the way he sees the field, the way he throws, um, puts his team in position to win time after time Mm -hmm. with these incredible plays that he makes. Um, I like, I, even as a rival of, you know, the chiefs being a Broncos (laughs) fan, like it's something you to say admire. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, you know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't fault that. Like, so, for the Chiefs, um, yeah, kudos, man. That was uh, their sixth straight AFC Championship, fifth, five or six. Fit. It's it's a lot, man. But they're they're back yeah. in the Super Bowl for the third time in four seasons. Um, did you see Travis Kelsey post game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, about the whole you know, bro. He called. He called well, he yeah, and he yeah, called. Uh, yeah, he called. Bro, <laughs> I haven't heard Brony in so long. Uh, it is, and, but it's kind of like the funniest insult though. Like when you call somebody a Brony, because it, it brings back memories. Like man, it's like a shoot nineties slash early two thousands yeah. level insult. You reached in his back. Our young is, I don't think we have anybody that young listening to our pod, but young is out there. They don't, you know, they don't know what that's about. They don't know what that's about. He said the J word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Chiefs. Uh Joe Burrow, he he um I think what came down to it was one, they got pressure to him. Um yeah. it finally came back to haunt them having their two top offensive linemen out of the game. And we kind of saw the offensive line, at least early that we saw uh last year during their playoff run where they had a makeshift offensive line. Um, but, uh, Joe Burrow is still, you know, he's still him top tier, you know, top tier quarterback in the league. And, you know, they'll always be in that conversation. Um, but I think this was a really big win for the chiefs mentally to kind of get over. Cause, uh, Joe Burrow, you know, he had won three, three of the last matchups against, against the chiefs, but, uh-huh. um, we won't predict the Super Bowl. Chiefs Eagles should be fun, though. There are a bunch of storylines, Dane, for for the Super Bowl. One in particular, which I obviously cannot not not talk about, is uh, two black quarterbacks starting in the Super Bowl for the first time ever, uh, heading into Black History Month. Uh, I think that's very important to to talk about. But little history lesson for for those that don't know. Um, 
I have the list in front of me of uh, Super Bowl black starting quarterbacks. Um, the first one was Doug Williams, Doug Williams. in Super Bowl twenty two. Obviously, it was the, the Washington team. The Washington <laughs> team. They actually he actually won it. Mm-hmm. Um, then Steve McNair did not win it, but he was the second one. Donovan McNabb did not win. Colin Kaepernick did not win. Russell Wilson. Uh, won his first one against the Denver Broncos. Then he went back again and lost. Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50 lost to the Broncos. Cam! Patrick Mahomes won his first uh, Super Bowl appearance against, who they beat? The Niners. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Mahomes went back, lost to Tom Brady and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And then now we have Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. 57. Thank you. <clears throat> Can't even read Roman numbers right. Super I kept on, 57. I kept on wanting to say fifty-two, and I was like, no, that can't, that don't sound right. But yeah, there is, it is some, there is some fantastic uh, parallels to it. You know, being, you know, being wrong about it being Super Bowl fifty-two, which is my immediate thought in my head, because after a while, you kind of just like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl fifty-two re- was the, the the Eagles Super Bowl the, the last time, the last okay. time that they won. But yeah, yeah, and, fifty-seven. And shout out to the Eagles too, like. They went back what well, only took them five years with a whole new team, no whole yeah. new coach, whole new roster. So uh That's how you do it. Player development, draft and hitting on draft picks, you know, hitting on draft picks, re-signing your guys, and then using free agency to continue to build and fortify your roster. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to them and team management. Yeah. And players. Um, this is like what the second time they've had a coach get to the Super Bowl in this the second year of their contract. Right. So or second year history, second year with the team, sorry. Yeah. So um that's, that's dope. But having uh Jalen versus Patrick Dane in the uh, Super Bowl two black quarterbacks, how 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 does that make you feel, brother? <laughs> Feels great. Uh it's already been coined the Soul Bowl, so I'm really excited. I like the name. <laughs> it, it just kind of rolls off your tongue, but it's dope. I not heard that, bro. Oh, bro. Oh man, it's been all over the interwebs. Yeah, the Soul Bowl is what we're gonna call it. Your soul yeah. yeah, so the Soul Bowl, it's it's cool. It's going to be an opportunity for us to celebrate uh during, of course, Black History Month, but also just celebrate a sport that we hold very dear to our hearts. Uh hopefully we get a really, really good game. I have no idea. I had no idea going into this uh you know, going into this postseason how this could play out in terms of a mini first that could happen or and things like that. But this is a, a pretty cool, pretty cool nod to just the, the trajectory of the NFL quarterback and what that could look like in, you know, just a short few years. This is an awesome opportunity just for us to embrace something new uh, and to continue to allow, you know, just the, the cream of the, or what the cream of the crop and the, the best players to rise to the top. So, all the bunch, all the cliches you want, just throw them all in there and say, you know, this is what that is what this is. But it's progress. Yeah, um, I think we'll I think it it's, yeah, it's definitely a good Sorry, thing, especially person. seeing <laughs> seeing where you know the quarterback position has evolved coming into. Um, I mean, because Mahomes is kind of known for running, not not really known for running and scrambling with the ball, but the mm-hmm. evolution of the quarterback position in general where uh, we see a lot of the time short leash on black quarterbacks or mm-hmm. um, narratives put on quarterbacks, even coming out of the draft where a lot of 
I won't say a lot, but there were some draft people that said Lamar Jackson wasn't a quarterback. Um, and we, they always seen, playing as a quarterback. Yeah, there were there are always these labels put on black quarterbacks. Um, I won't say always, but a lot of the time there are labels that are put on these black quarterbacks. Very um, athletic. Doesn't yeah. process the field that well. Yeah. But wow, he's fast. So, yeah, I think this is very important for uh, the culture. Very important um, for like quarterbacks that are coming into the league, black quarterbacks, you know, in future years, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. Um, I, I, I think on top of that, Deontay, I think it's a beautiful thing because it makes people hella uncomfortable to talk about it and to even acknowledge why they're uncomfortable with watching this. It, I think it's funny as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. People already say how they're not going to watch the Super Bowl or how they're frustrated about the outcome or the the impact of the game and the way that it's not going to go well and just the, the hopium that people are on um, – that it's it's gonna right. have a bad impact or a bad turnout. So yeah. I think it's I think it's funny as hell. I and I enjoy the chaos of it all. But to your point, I think it's it's kind of cool when you think about it too. And you talk about you know, and you might get to this in a little bit. Uh, Andy Reid and mm-hmm. his where he shows up at in history in terms of having you know having these black quarterbacks and just giving black personnel. Uh, opportunities um, that you know otherwise maybe they wouldn't get with other coaches, but him having that on the forefront and him being an ally of sorts is kind of cool yeah. and dope to see. And the progression over time is, I mean, with you know obviously it goes back to Donovan McNabb. He was doing it a long time ago, um, and then of course now with Patrick Mahomes. So it's you know it's it's a very dope thing to see and play out. It's also just very yeah. for me. It's very hilarious just to see yeah. how people are uncomfortable about it. Very it's, hilarious. It, you you brought up uncomfortable and uh it ain't I think, right. I think it was Nick Bosa. Yeah. Definitely two, Nick Bosa. Two two quick stories about Nick Bosa. One, he was quoted by saying, okay, you know what? I'm not even gonna lie. I don't even know. Somebody said he said this quote. I won't say it's true, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Come on now, we all they know said, this. He true. said Nick Bosa said, Oh, Jalen Hurts. Versus Patrick Mahomes, that's a good matchup that I won't be watching. Won't be, watching. I won't be on funny. my television. <laughs> also, did you see the video on TikTok of Nick Bosa at the Niners Eagles game? Or not Nick, Joey, Joey, Joey Bosa at the uh, at all oh, about uh, the comments after the the flag he got? No, or? no, no, no. Because Joey is the Chargers. D lineman. He went to the Eagles Niners game because his brother played played. Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about the Chargers game from a, a few games no, no, back. No, no. He this got flagged weekend, up and <laughs> uh, some Eagles fans were recording Nick Bosa like right oh. outside the stadium with some people, and they were like, mm-hmm. they were like, they had the camera by him. And I have mm-hmm. to send you the video. They're like, oh, look at Nick. Not in the game. You're not playing today. He's like, where are the Chargers? And you can see like Nick turn around and like talk to him. He's like, uh. He basically started talking about how much money he had. Which, <laughs> the you know, to that's, that's an immediate bro. Hell. Yeah, that's a, when you start bringing up the finances in the bank account, like, bro, it's, it's yeah, not even that I, deep. I you lost to, already. I have to uh, send that to you. It's, it's hilarious. But um, one one other cool note, Dane, uh, which I didn't realize this will also be the first ever Super Bowl between starting quarterbacks from the state of Texas. Uh, Jalen Hurts from the Houston area attended Channel View. Channel View High School and Mahomes mm-hmm. from Tyler, Texas. 
uh he also or he went to white house high school um so shout out to texas high school football greatest uh state to play high school football in uh no bias here not debated anymore (laughs) you can't debate it um sorry uh then we got the kelsey bowl travis versus jason kelsey um that should be a cool storyline. Um, they've already, you know, the media has already been hyping up um, that with their parents and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, overall, it should be an exciting Super Bowl. Dane and I will make our predictions next week on it. Um, switching gears a little bit, we will discuss Dane. I wasn't sure if we would even have topics to discuss as far as the coaching hires because nothing was happening. And then, <laughs> and then it just uh, boom. And then last night it went crazy. Uh, but first we had last week, we had uh Frank Wright, the Ooh. former Colts coach, former Eagles offense coordinator, oh. um, getting hired by the Carolina Panthers. And I did not know he was the first quarterback in Carolina Panthers history when they became a team in 1995. Um, a lot of people kind of saw a lot of Panthers fans I saw were a little salty about you know that whole thing how the way it played out but with Wilkes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um and Wilkes you know he made a statement afterwards about you know very dope statement yeah disappointed no I'll just say he said he's kind of disappointed obviously but you know mm-hmm. he'll always be a Panthers fan and I mean I think he'll get a job quickly uh either as a coordinator or assistant but yeah how do you feel about um, him not getting the job and I mean ob- objectively standing back and you know not being a Panthers fan mm-hmm. schematically um, a lot of I don't know I don't know about Frank Wright as a I mean he got a he got a job so quick after after what happened in Indy mm. well you know these things happen all the time <laughs> these things happen all the time we're kind of used to this the best thing we could do is you root for the guys that get the jobs and hope that the players can, you know, they can rally the players in such a way that that it's kind of just an afterthought at the end of the day. But it still make the hiring practices in the NFL still make you scratch your head, especially when you look at people's track records and their levels of unsuccess. But at the same time, everybody knows, you know, the, Everybody knows the way that the NFL does the hiring process and how kind of janky it can look, especially when you fast forward into like the middle, like week eight or week nine, and the team is like, you know, on a six game losing streak with a new first year head coach. I don't know. I don't know. It I guess I'd have to I'd have to ask a Panthers fan. So Mr. Epps, whenever you're listening <laughs> to this, I'm assuming it's gonna be sometime in I don't know, July that you're listening to this episode. <laughs> Mr. Epps, I, I'd love to see how you 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 know, yeah. feel about this in your in your team and their hiring practices. Um, I he, don't know. Uh, uh, not uh, my dad, but Frank Wright. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smith tweeted that he loved the hire form, former Carolina Panther great. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are people um, in the organization or that used to be a part of the organization that feels this is a strong hire. This is the yeah. first offensive-minded coach in Carolina Panthers history. Um, a team that's been known for defense for so long. That Super Bowl run with Cam, they had Ron Rivera as coach. Cam! That Super Bowl run that they had with Jake DeLome and Steve Smith. They had, um, uh, dang, who's their coach? Uh, oh, John Fox. John Fox was their coach then. So, mm-hmm. um, 
I think for a team that's been so dominant, not dominant, but they've been very good on the defensive side of the ball, um, to have an offensive-minded coach there is kind of something that they probably need um, if you're looking at it uh, as a scheme kind of standpoint and strategy mm-hmm. kind of standpoint. Um, but like you mentioned, like, yeah, Steve Wilkes kind of rallied that team um, post Matt Rule firing, post like we talked about the Christian McCaffrey trade and a lot of players obviously that are on the team were rooting for Steve Wilkes. Right. But um we'll have to see on Frank Wright. Like he well, he helped help. he helped the Eagles win that Super Bowl in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um but in the Colts it didn't with the Colts it didn't work out with yeah. Carson Wentz that one year. They had Phillip oh. Rivers for a year before he retired. His guy. His guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I need my guy. Yeah. And so, how did that go, Frank? <laughs> yeah. Not not good. Um, so yeah, the Panthers hired um, Frank Wright, uh, and then Dane last night uh, evening, yeah. <laughs> the Broncos hired Sean Payton after a crazy wild search um, that included Jim Harbaugh, included D'Amico Ryan's, who we'll get to next, um, included um, a lot of candidates. Um, so yeah, the Broncos are hiring Sean Payton. And yeah. so of course, let, the, let me ask you, Deontay. Let me ask you. Not that you have any type of affiliation or association or fandom associated with the Denver Broncos, but how do you feel about hiring? I don't know, Mike McC- Mark McCarthy, Mike McCarthy with the gumbo recipe. That's, that's like, how, do you, how do you feel? Okay, honestly, I, and and I'm I gotta lay it plain for for a lot of folks <laughs> because folks thought I was mad. Specifically, Texans fans thought I was mad that D'Amico chose, and we'll get to D'Amico, chose Houston over Denver. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have D'Amico Ryans. I feel like he's going to be a great coach in the NFL. But I'm not upset about it because, one. not mad. I'm not mad (laughs) because I feel like we had a top five defense Mm -hmm. this season. So um, we don't need no defense. No, no, we got no. Bounty Gate now. We good compared to what our offense looked out looked mm-hmm. like. I would rather have an offensive coach to yeah. attempt to fix Russell Wilson. I don't know if it'll work, but I feel like an offensive minded coach is what we need at this point. Um, seeing as our defense has done pretty well with, uh, we had. Uh, Edro as our defensive coordinator this year. Last the previous years we had um who was our defensive coordinator last year? But the head coach was Vic Van. Forgettable. To say the but least. Uh, all that to say, we've had different coordinators at different right. points in time where our defense was still top tier. Um and I think offensive uh, offensive minded coach is what we need, but at the same time, I'm I'm not I'm done getting excited about hires. I talked to Karina yesterday and I said, Karina, since we've been together, therapy. no, I was like, since we've been together, I feel like the Broncos have had like five different head coaches and I've gotten excited about every single one of them. I'm like, man, at this point, Dane, I just want to win. So I'm not hype. I don't feel any kind of way really about it. I'm, I'm glass half empty right now. Actually one fourth, one fourth full, which means three fourths empty. Uh, I, I just feel like I want to see results at this point. 
The he Broncos. Said, let me re- let me translate for you. I was tired, boss. I'm tired, bro. I'm tired, <laughs> I you, bro. Like we won I, I think the Super Bowl. We, we won the Super Bowl in 2015, and we have not been to the playoffs since. That's the second longest drought in Super Bowl history after winning the Super Bowl seven seasons. That's that's ridiculous. Um, but I will say, had I known that after winning the Super Bowl, we would go through seven years of not making the playoffs, I'd take it again. I win the Super Bowl. Mm. <laughs> How but, do you feel? I, I guess you can say say what you want to say about Sean Payton and his lack of success in recent years and all that good stuff. And but the Bobby Gates stuff, I still feel a kind of way about that. Bobby oh Bobby no, no, I, I ain't talking about that. Okay. That's that's old news at this point. He's already, in my opinion, he he's already paid his debt to society. It's you know, it's whatever. It's water under the bridge. My question for you was, how do you feel about the process of acquiring coaches that are under contract like that and having to give up and trade, you know, cough up picks? Because this is like what the fourth or fifth instance in NFL history yeah. where this has happened. Yeah, uh, it's, it's with... been six. It's been six. Oh, it's six. Okay. Uh, I know. Actually, was it Bill Belichick? It's happened to Bill yeah. Belichick like twice, right? It's, yeah. No. Yeah. This okay. Is, this is a great pivot. So maybe I'm counting. Maybe I was counting him twice instead of, or counting him once instead of twice. I know Bill. Because you know, call Bill. <laughs> uh, let me pull that up, bro. For sure. Um, it happened with Bill Parcells, too, if I'm not mistaken. Did it happen to Bill Parcells? Maybe it did. No, I might be making that up. All right, here we go. Um. So the first one was Bill Parcells in January okay. 97, traded oh from God. Patriots to Jets for four draft picks. That's that's crazy. Four draft picks. Wow. Uh, a third round, a fourth round, a second, and a first in two years down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Holmgren in April of 1999, traded from Packers to Seahawks for a 1999 second round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn it. Uh, off track here sorry okay. uh, uh bill belichick again in 2000 all right not again that was his first time bill belichick Different in bill. 2000 traded from jets to patriots mm. for, three, for three draft picks uh john gruden in 2002 traded nice. from raiders to bucks for four draft picks uh, and then Herm Edwards in 2006 of January uh, night, right? So we're negotiated from Jets to Chiefs. Um, so yeah, this would be the sixth time. And I mean, the picks we have, we'll have five picks coming up. First pick will be in the third round now. Sheesh. I, I, I mean, defensively, we may need like a middle linebacker. Right. Offense, I think we're set. We have weapons. We have weapons. Uh, I'm not too upset about the draft picks like a lot of people are. And even the reports that were coming out about Sean Payton's compensation before where the Saints said they wanted like two first rounds and all this ridiculous stuff. It didn't really come out like that. We gave up our first round this year. Uh, We gave up our first round pick this year and next year's second round pick and we get the Saints' third-round pick back next year. So I don't think that's that crazy of a trade. Um, but like I said, at the end of the day, I just want to win, bro. So, um, Yeah. 
And you think about it is the the beautiful thing is there are more than one ways to build build a team. And oh yeah, the you you obviously the we the saw that last way. year with the Rams and the Chiefs. Well, yeah, true. true. Oh, Rams true. Rams gave up all their picks basically in one but, Super Bowl. But I mean, now 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 they have yeah, to the bill to the bill that. always or the bill comes due. Yeah, always. So there's more than one way to build a team. The blueprint has been to dibble and dabble in, in multiple phases, unless you're the Cowboys. But you, the the beautiful thing about it is with you all, and this is you know as of right now, you're you know twelfth in the league in terms of total cap space with Chicago leading in the first place with over about close to ninety eight million dollars in the cap. So they got you know they got some they got some room to make some things happen, and y'all do too. So if you don't build through the draft, that's that's fine. But you also have the opportunity to to go chase some free agents and, and, and there was make a, it happen that way. And there was a cap increase this year. True, increase right. the cap twenty seven million, right? Seventeen million, yeah. So, seventeen million. Uh, yeah, I think like I'm I'm just on the train right now where Sean Payton seems like a great hire for us at this point. But let's see it on the field. I've gotten excited. I've gotten excited <laughs> about Nathaniel Hackett. I got excited about Vic Vangio. I got excited about our boy uh, Russell Wilson. Not Russ. Russ as well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> about our, our other. How long worth of oh, episode? Uh, we got back in March. If you want to go watch that, Vance Vance Joseph. I got hired about that hire. Remember all these hires? Like, yeah, man. While we were, we were like we were still having this podcast, and we, you know we've been through like four coaches at this point. So. More coaches than we have podcasts. Yeah, That's crazy. just just win. Just win. Um, mm, 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 and then the other hire, Dane, D'Amico Ryan's heading back to where he was a player for so many years. Uh, Houston Texans signing their third black head coach in a row, which is interesting to say the least because of what third times the charm, what the past um, black head coaches have been on short leases, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. with Houston. Um, but I think this was this one is different because um, I can't even remember who was their other coach, Dane. Uh, before Lovey, Lovey was just their coach. Uh, it was another coach that nobody had ever heard of. Uh, it wasn't Josh McCown. Uh, David Cully. David Cully. <laughs> um, the Texans are the first team to hire three straight black head coaches, including interim head coaches. Ryan's is the fourth black head coach in Texans history. The Texans and the Buccaneers are now the only teams to employ four black head coaches. So shout out to the Texans for that. Uh, but yeah, Dane, from, you know, how do you feel about D'Amico Ryan's head in Houston? Um, it seems like a good fit. He's been there. He knows, you know, the culture there. Uh, and coming from San Francisco where he had a dominant defense, the Texans showed at times this season where their defense could be pretty good. Uh, coming into a lot of draft capital with Houston, they have the uh, second pick in the draft and then pick 12, I believe. Yeah, two on the top two on the top half of the draft, which yeah. is... So if you're D'Amico coming into that, you have a lot of opportunities and toys yeah. to play at. What do you think? I think it's a fantastic opportunity for him. I was... More than anything, I was excited uh, about. I was excited about the opportunity for D'Amico Ryan's wherever you know wherever he decided to go or wherever it was going to happen. We you you and I talked about it. You know the opportunity uh, with him potentially being a Broncos and yeah you know, me of course trolling 
uh, after the fact or <laughs> during the fact. But I think this is a good situation for him. You know, he returns to a familiar place. Um, he's obviously have he has a track record of being that guy on defense and, and team building or using the tools necessary to help, you know, his team defensively or just in success, successfully in general. But he has an opportunity with, you know, two of those picks being in the first half of the draft and then with the Houston Texans having a ton of cap space to make some things shake during this offseason as well. So we'll see how we'll be able to determine if this is another sham or not based on the way that yes. they draft and the, the players that they acquired during the offseason. And if we can see that there are any type of similarities in the way the teams the team was built um, on the West Coast with the 49ers and how it's potentially going to be built here in Texas. So I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm very I'm very much looking forward, forward to it. And if there's another team that I can root for in the state of Texas, you know, I, I ain't going to hesitate, you know. So shout out to him yeah. returning back I, to the roots. And I, I think a, another important thing for him oh, like, Paul, will help him be successful and like which gives him a good chance to be successful is I think the Texans were like undefeated in that division. They were like 4-0-1 or something like that. All their wins yeah. – and their tie came from that division. The AFC South is <laughs> a winnable. Right <laughs> yeah, it's a, a winnable division. You got Jacksonville that you know won, made the division yeah. at like nine and eight, I believe. Yeah, it was uh, bad. So, I think this is an opportunity, like a good time for the Texans to make this move with a guy that had like the top defense, um, running the top defense in the league for these past few years. Jacksonville, um, Colt. Texans, who's Titans, Titans. Titans. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's why. Yeah, I, <laughs> this is a, a very <laughs> winnable division. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the division this right. this coming season, especially uh, with, with with a just over five hundred record. I, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even blink twice. I was like, oh, that sounds about right. Right. Um, D'Amico is also now the third youngest head coach in the NFL at thirty eight. Uh, Sean McVay is thirty seven, and Kevin O'Connell from the Vikings is thirty seven. And a lo- another nugget, I'm, I'm just dropping these little nuggets here. Uh, D'Amico Ryans was drafted by the Texans and will now mm-hmm. be their head coach. Greg Kubiak for the Broncos was the last person to serve as head coach for a team that drafted him. Um, Mike Munchek as well for the Titans, Art Shell, um, and Dick Jerron. And, um, yeah, man, so still two more openings left in the uh, NFL uh, the Indianapolis Colts still have their opening, which looks like they're leaning towards hiring Jeff Saturday full-time, which good luck with that. Um, Arizona, after letting go of Cliff Kingsbury, I have no idea who will be that head coach. <laughs> James laughing at the Colts. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd be furious if I was a player, a player in my youth on the rookie deal. Like, man, you – <laughs> Facts, bro. Hey, but look, shout out to that division because that I mean it's up for grabs. Yeah. Unless you you know, unless you came coach. down. Look, it came down to the last game last year. Yeah. So or this past season. So organically or not. Yeah. You know. I think this is a great hire for, for Houston. Um and excited to see what D'Amico can can do for that team in the next couple of years. Um but Y'all know what time it is.
nerdy news segment brought to you by shout out to Keith. nerdy news segment episode three dane of the last of us and viewership for the last of us has gone up every single episode despite um, what else is on tv despite what else is on tv hbo has been been killing it um the last of us episode three dane um has our boy nick offerman um, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? Yeah, you never you put watched me on, you, you put me on. You, did you like it? You didn't like the other yeah, show. We, that we, I we loved it, man. We okay. loved it. What you mean? What, okay. what you what you mean? Like you had a really good run of putting me on shows when we were in college. After college is a whole different story. Okay, we'll not talk that about great. What, what, not what, that great. What, 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 but it ties. It does tie into this show. It does tie into this Bro, show. It's like he's like the same character. Yeah, he's like the same character, and, and, and which pissed me off because I wait a minute. That's the reason why I don't like you, but. Episode three of the last of us we're introduced to, well, it starts off with, uh, Ellie and Joel post, uh, tests leaving us and, um, spoiler alert. The goal, the goal now is for, uh, Joel and Ellie to get to Bill. Mm-hmm. And uh he he tells Ellie Bill is this guy, you know, he he can help us get what we need and right now he's trying to get a truck to uh to get out to uh his brother in Wyoming who was mm-hmm. a firefly and um he's he's basically taking what Tess told him at the end of episode 2 as far as believing and um seeing that Ellie could be the help uh, that the world needs as far as a cure. So he's trying to get out to Wyoming. And the only way he can get that is if he gets a truck. He knows the guy, Bill, who could possibly help with that. And so at that point, we're taken back in time back to 2003, like right around the outbreak. Uh, we see Bill, who's played by Nick Offerman, um, right around the outbreak. I guess he's hold, held up in his home, which... He's been preparing for this for a while. As you can see, he's down he in the basement. He has known this day was going to come eventually. Yeah, <laughs> down in this basement, uh, loaded up with all the ammo. Got the security camera set up on the on the military. That's basically rounding up people to get out of the town. And uh, we see him preparing, basically, how to live in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, and... We do a couple of time jumps, Dane, in this in this part of the episode. Um, Bill is introduced, or Bill is setting up his camp. Everything from booby traps to food. He basically makes his own little community of population. Bill, mm-hmm. um, and then and Frank, this guy named Frank, comes upon his area in the man. I don't know how he fe- did. He say he fell into the manhole. Yeah. Um, so he falls into the manhole. Meets, I, don't know, I can't believe what he said. Yeah, meets Frank. Uh, basically, Bill and Frank um, become partners and lovers throughout this part of the episode, and they grow. Basically, he, basically, Bill becomes a different guy who was hardened by everything that's going on with the apocalypse, and Frank is there and changed his whole perspective on the world and his purpose. Um, so it's basically a love story of Bill and Frank and how 
they grew to love one another during this apocalyptic time. And it's right is right here is kind of the, the divide between what happens, not divide, but a difference in what happens in the video game because we allegedly, well, we don't get this full story in the video game. Um, um, spoiler alert. Yeah. In the game, we're introduced to Bill uh, post Frank after mm-hmm. Frank has. We we assume that Frank is dead based on um, a note. And don't don't they find him in the game? Yeah, all three of them. They find him. You know, hanging. Yeah, but Joel. But Joel is the only one that knows. You know, essentially how the whole thing played out because of the letter. And Thank you. Because and here's the beautiful thing about it. We get to see Joel react in two beautiful ways in two different places in two different uh, points of entertainment. One during a video game, Joel decides to keep. Uh, what happens is Frank and Joel, or Frank and Joel, Frank is essentially becomes disgusted or disappointed and sick and tired of of Bill's, you know, paranoia and mm-hmm. the way that he decides to live cooped up in a bunker paranoia yeah. and he decides you know it's time for me to you know i'm about to head out so he, and we kind of saw that in the in the show briefly yeah. where they had gotten to the argument i was like, okay this is what they're gonna do okay. yeah so he you know ventures out outside of the little quarantine community <laughs> the safe zone or whatever you want to call it and he gets you know he gets bitten he gets got so instead of turning into one of these dreadfully disgusting fungi infested creatures he decides to hang himself but before he does that he of course writes a letter now the beautiful thing about it is when they find him you know hanging he's dead obviously joel finds the letter in the game you can either find the letter and you can't find the letter but once mm-hmm. you find the letter you it tells out in, in great detail as to why he did what he did and essentially it, it goes back to a part of it elements of it goes back to blaming bill for the way that he's he still has a heart and heart yeah. and Joel decides because he, he loves and appreciates bill so much that he keeps that from him. Right. And he does essentially, he does almost the not same thing, but you see a moment of emotional connectivity that Joel has in every episode or the, we start up here with this episode of Joe being this warm hearted, caring father and then from there we just go downhill him just more and more solidifying and protecting himself protecting his emotions but we're starting to see his heart just continue to like be unraveled and, and he's starting to care more for people but he gets the letter i mean i might be getting ahead of myself but he gets the letter in the same situation or the same mm-hmm. format you know, from, from right. Bill and it says, you know, all these lovely and wonderful things. And the part that chokes him up the most is, you know, essentially about Tess. And of course, Bill doesn't yeah. know this, but and this is what months or even years down the road since the last time they've had an encounter. So he has to, you know, Joel is a little bit beside himself. So he has to go outside and, you know, that at that particular moment, we know, okay, Joel is coming back. Like mm-hmm. the, the emotional side of Joel, the human connectivity side of Joel is coming back. And that's one of the, for me, one of the themes that I will stick to with this particular episode, because despite there being this zombie apocalypse outside, there still has to be a place for an emotional and a human connection. 
And that's where Bill and Frank's relationship come into play. And that's where Bill kind of does that post, I guess, post death push for Joel yeah. to not grow closer to Tess because Tess is no longer here, but it's his ode to grow closer to Ellie and mm-hmm. be that father figure that she needs. And for him to be the father figure that she needs or for him to be the father figure that she needs and him to be the father that, you know, that he father figure. Yeah. yeah that and and I, I think this is a great point to point out how they differentiated this from the video game, because mm-hmm. in the game, when you meet Bill, like Joel and Ellie do meet Bill in the game and yeah. they're going through the town trying to get parts or whatever. And of course it's a video game. So you have to do these different tasks side quests, but yeah, that necessarily probably wouldn't have made sense in this instance. Uh, because like you mentioned, you want to build that connection. You want to give Joel that push. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to kind of quote what Bill was saying in the letter is telling Joel that they're meant to be on this post-apocalyptic world Mm -hmm. for a reason. There's still people to save. And so like you mentioned in the in in Bill's instance, Frank was the person he needed to save. Frank needed like Frank came up on Bill with no food, no water, needed to survive, ended up falling in love with him and mm-hmm. having this beautiful story. Um in the in the letter Bill is referring to Tess, and that's just another reminder for Joel that he failed not once but twice. Once with his daughter that we saw in episode one, he failed to protect her. Mm-hmm. He failed again with Tess because Tess is gone. So I think this letter kind of proves that or this kind of like another push for him is like, man, I failed twice with two people that I cared about and loved. I'm going to do everything in my power to not fail the third time. And that third time is with Ellie. So like you mentioned, this is going to give him that that go, that protective, um, doing everything in his power to protect not only protect Ellie, but do what he needs to do to protect the world in a sense. If Ellie is the cure and if Ellie is what the world needs, I'm going to do everything in my power to get to where we need to go to, to essentially save what's left of this world and uh, hope for the best. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think whatever, uh, what else happened in this episode? It gotcha. was mainly just mostly the story of Bill and Frank and, mm-hmm. Um, of course, like we mentioned, the, the the difference between this and the video game, Bill survives in the game. Um, we don't know. Well, yes, we don't. We, we the, the the cool thing is, spoiler alert again. We have we are to assume that both. I mean, obviously, we know that Frank died, or it's implied that Frank died, and also Bill died too. Yeah. But we don't see it. Yeah. We see the open window at the very end of the episode, and the camera pans out in this beautiful way. But we have no idea if Bill and it'll be the it'll be the dopest, coolest Bill like thing for him to still be alive. But to because he, you know, he loved Frank so much to him giving giving him the I think he died. He had to die. I mean, I, I'm just spe- I'm just speculating right, here. Right, but right. there's a pos- a small possibility that he might still be like and it would be the most zombie apocalypse type thing to happen if they're in a pinch. Joel and, and Ellie are in a pinch and they're about to yeah. die and then Boom! The ops get sniped, and who is it? Right. It's Bill. But let's go back to Bill. Bill was that dude. Now say what you want about him owning more flannel shirts than he ever had guns, but <laughs> Bill's that dude. When 
Uh, when, Ron when Frank, when Frank, you know, woke up in the middle of the night because he heard, you know, all the explosions and the light was out. He was like, "Oh my god!" He ran downstairs. Bill was in like literally, but he had a hunter's rifle in the middle of the street with no cover. Yeah, taking out dudes like I'm like, either Bill has a death wish or Bill is really that dude, and I'm just gonna go with that. Bill is really, really that dude. But it was one of the coolest things about the episode was Joel's need and want for protecting Ellie. And a part of that started with him trying to neuter her in terms of not having any type of weapons or not having any type of guns. But the beautiful thing is Ellie being as curious as she was, her ended up finding that little little gun in the the little drawer and like, Mm -hmm. you know, her hiding it. So of course that'll come back up later. And I'm sure that's gonna be hilarious when it does because he's gonna she's gonna end up saving yeah, she's gonna end up saving his life, but he's gonna be more concerned about where the hell did you get this gun from? Not the fact that he's able so that's probably gonna happen some way, shape, or fashion. Also, we (laughs) like this is a special segue or huh. This it's a special segue for us to see the making of a murderer. Ellie is a psycho, like that what takes place underneath the little store or whatever that situation was with her investigating downstairs and seeing the, the clicker infused inside the wall and him still being alive. Buddy must have been down there for at least 20 years or so, however long it was. But she went down there, pulled out a pocket knife and like made like a little incision in dude's head. And you can see in her eyes like, I like this. And at that point, yeah. I'm like, she's dangerous because one, she's immune so there's that. And then two, she has, she's, the bloodlust is actually starting. There's no telling how many bodies she's already got at this point. But and it, and one it, thing's it, for certain, she, she's psycho. Yeah, and I think it started that first episode when she saw Joe beat that guard to death. And you kind of mm-hmm. see her peek around she's the like, corner. Like, like me. Like, smiling, <laughs> it's like me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and you can see like, in like every episode, I, f- I feel like I, actually episode two, to go along mm-hmm. with her, like the making of a murder, she's asking questions about, hey, I heard like there are different types of click. Like she asked about clickers. She asked about mm-hmm. uh, bloaters, I believe, which we'll probably see mm-hmm. at some point. Um, so she has a, a lust. And if we know further down the line, if they kind of go to a similar path to what she becomes, like, right. you know, it's going to be helpful in a way because yeah. I don't want to spoil it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, episode three was a was a good one. Um, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you. What. How did? Oh, how did you? I had a hard time, and people people who familiar with HBO content are, are familiar with who Frank is. Frank is spoiler alert. Frank is Armand from from White Lotus. Like if you yeah. season one of White Lotus, let me let me rephrase, and that's to do with the the, the hotel director manager, or whatever you want to call yeah. it, the manager guy. That like I haven't seen season one in so long. Oh, okay. I well, we just watched it like two weeks ago or a week okay. ago because we started. But anyways, I was like, I said, like, where do I know this dude from, and why don't I like this dude? Off rip. It had nothing to do with him. Essentially, I mean, the implication there, people can say, well, he, you know, he used Bill and he didn't add anything to Bill, and the only thing that he did was soften his heart and hard, and that was it. We see some range. Now, say what you want. This this could be seen as, you know, this is us meets The Walking Dead or some this particular episode, whatever. <laughs> but Nick Offerman showed his range. Like, we're 
accustomed to seeing we're we're accustomed to seeing him in a you know, different type of breath, uh, in a different type of way with his you know with his comedy and with his timing. But to see him tap into this particular role or to tap into that particular space to show characters or to show us these particular characters and what they're going through and the desperation that's involved with Frank's character trading some guns, yeah. some strawberry seeds. Like, wow. That doesn't seem like a fair... You talk about unfair trades and who got the ski mask on. <laughs> I think Joel and them had the ski mask during that trade. Like, Did, did you see what... <laughs> His uh, Bill's immediate reaction was like, "Which gun?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Little small one." You wouldn't know, but so I was like, "Sounds like an unfair trade." But again, it shows us the level of desperation for one resources and friendship, because yeah. it also showed us Joel and Tess and just their the relationship that they gained over time, or the companionship that they gained over time, having like a who would ever thought double dates in the apocalypse right but they made that happen so it's, it's interesting to see what type of themes we can see um and we've had more episodes at this point than we've had encounters with actual fight scenes with zombies which is cool because they're not overly relying on those hello I'm here. I'm here. Oh, my bad. I, I, I saw I, you pause. Like, I was like, oh, well, man. I, different. I, I'm cutting into the nerdy news segment because we got some breaking sports news. Oh, which was cool that we recorded early in the morning. What uh, Tom Brady has announced he is retiring after 23 seasons in the NFL off of uh, a social media post. I'm going to see if I can play this social media post okay. right now. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. There you have it. He's getting who emotional in the video. Who would have thought Cowboys would have retired this man? Never. <laughs> Never, never, never. Hey, that's never something my, y'all can hang your Never on. my like, that's the that's the Super Bowl banner that we had. we're the next the, the, the only Super Bowl up. banner we're gonna have. Well there the you one have time it, that we beat Tom Brady is the one time that it mattered. We got some You're breaking welcome. news on the duo. You're welcome, NFL. <laughs> some breaking Jeez. news. Uh Tom Brady has retired from the NFL again. after twenty three seasons. Going to the booth. Um Man, uh, that happened. That happened that last time when I thought he was gone. Man, uh, but this I'll time, wait till the season starts. Yeah, I mean, you could wait. It's, he seems sincere. I mm-hmm. mean, as he did last time. Um, Twenty-three seasons in the league, arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Um, what do you think? Just, just quick reaction, man. Man, shout out to Tom. Man, shout out to Tom. That's I'm. Sheesh. We have been 
not dreading this day for a very long time, but this conversation has come up plenty of times. Yep. But I think he got out at the right time. I think he got out at the right time before he entered that phase of like, oh, this is awful to watch. But he has been a phenomenal dude. Say what you want about his running ability or lack thereof, or even his ability to catch the football on a trick play. But dude is going to go down as one of the, the greatest competitors across any sport and probably the standard yeah. for you don't have to be first. You don't have to be second. Shoot, you probably can be last and you still can be successful and make a great career in, in this league as long as you're willing to put in the work. So shout yeah. out to Tom. Shout out to Tom Brady. Yeah, um, as 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 much as a pain in the side Tom Brady has been on <laughs> as a fan of teams that he's beat often throughout the years, can't mm-hmm. can't knock him for being one of the greatest competitors that we've ever seen to play, not only in NFL but in sports. And if this is a real retirement, if we won't see him on the field again, um, it's one of those things to be appreciative of to actually see um, a guy that, like you mentioned, Dane wasn't a first round pick, wasn't a second round pick, um, got his opportunity and took advantage of his opportunity and never let go. Mm -hmm. Um, And looking at this video and the emotion through, I know it's probably a tough decision for him, um, but he had a great career, like legit, you know, what, seven Super Bowls? Six two NF two NFL careers. I mean, essentially, his resume is that long. How many Super Bowls has he won? I was like five or seven, something like that. Um, he's been to ten. Um, he's won seven. I was right. He's been okay, to ten, won seven. seven. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, like there's, I mean, everything we know about Tom Brady. Um, has, he's always been a winner. Like seven Super Bowls is ridiculous. Um, even when he was regressing towards the end of his career, uh, his teams were always in it. Like this year, it wasn't his best season. I mean, stats wise, he had it, but you could see the arm wasn't there. But he was still out there fighting for his team and mm-hmm. um, deciding to step away now is huge for him. I think because of that competitor that he. He is, um, but if this is Tom Brady going out for the last time, salute to Tom. Um, and we'll see where Tampa Bay goes from here. There were already rumors about him kind of, you know, <laughs> going somewhere else. A lot of people didn't see Tampa Tampa Bay being uh, his destination. So um, salute to Tom, seven-time Super Bowl champion. He's one of only two players to start and win a Super Bowl with multiple franchises. Uh, the other was Peyton Manning. So, yeah, Tom just broke into our The Last of Us segment. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty interesting. Speaking uh, of zombies. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Tom Brady, man, salute, salute, salute to a uh, great career. And um, our last segment, I guess we'll talk about this last week. <laughs> I was just tripping off this, bro. Uh, James Gunn. Who we now know is the uh, one the of man. the CEOs of DC announced a new slate for the DC Universe thing coming up. Um, he announced in like a five and a half minute video. Mm-hmm. Um, movies 
movies wise, there's Superman Leg- Legacy set to open July 2025. He said it'll mark the start of the DCU. So there's a DC Elseworlds. It's still kind of confusing. DC Elseworlds, which will have um, like the Batman, Matt, Matt Reeves, Batman, Joker kind of thing. And then the DCU where it'll all be kind of connected. Um, just to kind of name a few movies that he talked about was Superman Legacy, uh, which is going to talk about uh, his Kryptonian, Superman's Kryptonian heritage and balancing that with his human upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Authority which is superheroes trying to save the world their kind of way. It kind of reminds yeah, me, like, right, I don't, right, I, I, yeah, it reminds me of Suicide Squad, kind of. Uh, the Brave and the Bold, which is based off uh, Batman and his son, Damian Wayne Dane, in the uh, mm. in the uh, DC comics, which I already know what that mm means. Mm-hmm. We won't talk about that. Super Bowl, or Super Bowl, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. <laughs> Swamp Thing are the movies that he announced. Television, Creature Commandos, Waller, about Amanda Waller, Lanterns, which is probably the one I'm most excited to see on screen, uh, Paradise Lost, and Booster Gold. Uh, any of those kind of come out to you as something that you might be interested in? Yeah, absolutely. Very intrigued by Waller. Um, I, My wife knows this. I, I absolutely love Ella Davis. Um, that's Boo, number two. If you're listening to this, I appreciate you, um, uh, Miss Davis. That is, I appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, I've watched you from afar for many years, and I'm grateful for the product that you put on film. With that being said, we, we, you and I both have, you know, watched um, her lead a show for a number of seasons and it'd be very successful keeping you on the edge of your seats. Seeing her in this particular role, uh, I'm very excited because I have no idea how that's going to play out, what that will entail, but I know that she knows how to, I know she knows how to entertain um, and she's a, a damn good actor. So curious about that. And also Green Lantern, because we know, or the Lanterns, we because we have seen how that played out before, with uh, Ryan Reynolds and the overuse of CGI and just the jokes that that show or movie has made about itself, I'm curious to see how they're going to rebound. So for me, because they're going to use, I think, multiple lanterns from what James described in the in the video, they're going to use point of views from multiple multiple lanterns and just essentially unravel the storyline of them being like galactic police patrol dudes. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, I don't know. I don't have any negative thoughts. I'm really hope. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we got all of this from the horse's mouth instead of. Well, I have an insider, and the insider told me that, and I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. You just want to feel self-important. Whatever, we get it. We got to hear it directly from the creative mind himself, and I think it's a good direction for him to lay it out in such a way that it gives people pause because they don't have to. One, they don't have to speculate. Two, he has a track record that speaks for itself. And three, you, it shows their level of transparency. And this is what, more than anything, this is what comic book readers and and comic book moviegoers want. They want to feel like their criticisms, they want to feel like their feedback is being heard and it's being used and it's being valued and not being mocked in any way, shape or form. So this is a start in a good direction. 
I guess my last, my third slot in terms of excitement or just what's intriguing for me, the Flash, uh, the Flash, how it'll be the re- the DC reset. Uh, I'm yeah. curious to see how that's going to play out. And that's that's all I got, man. I'm yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm like you, like with, with Gunn at the helm, a lot of these characters that he mentioned, I talked to you, you guys about it in the chat that I wasn't familiar with, but if there's anybody that I would have like in charge of this, it's uh, James Gunn specifically mm-hmm. of what he did with the Guardians of the Galaxy of you know some characters that we didn't know much too, but uh, too C much and about D list characters. Yeah, and ended up putting them on the main screen. Household so name. He'll he'll be able to do that with all these other characters. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's down the line. Good to see that there's a plan for DC. Um, as long as they're patient, which I think they will be with James Gunn, should um, there should be some some good stuff coming out. Um, but yeah, man, episode. 96 of the duo sports and stuff podcast appreciate y'all for rocking with us as you always have tom brady once again has retired from the nfl um breaking news on the duo excited about that (laughs) (laughs) um so salute to tom brady and uh, i could also say i'm thankful that tom brady's out the league because he has been a thorn in my side for a long time um (laughs) But uh, yeah, he he he's retired. Um, we'll see if he wants to dive in it. But I think Dane, I don't. I think from that um, that message he posted, it seems like he's pretty solid on that one. Um, I believe when I see it, Dane believes it when he sees it. he's the first player in NFL history to win a Super Bowl in three different decades. That's that's oh, insane. Man, that's a, that tells you how long that guy's been playing. But um, Tom Brady retires. Dane, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here, bro? Nah, man. Nah, man. Uh, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. Uh, if y'all got any good show uh, suggestions, please, you know, hit the mentions. Let me know because Deontay's going to be the last person to ask for suggestions ever again for shows, especially since he hasn't even, probably hasn't even gotten halfway through the DC animated universe. So, well, you know, it'll be my last time mentioning that. Today, I'm going to keep mentioning it ever, you know, over and over and over again until he gets the message. But y'all got any suggestions about shows, movies, all that stuff? We're going to be on that. Me and the wife, we actually started watching Bullet Train last night, so we'll finish that today sometime. But, anyways, that's all I got to say, man. Oh, don't forget, man, hit that follow, like, and subscribe, man. We want to get all the exclusive content, man, to get our channel, man, get it up and popping, man. But the issue with that is most of the people you hear that from, you only get about 1.000009% 1.000009% of exclusive content, but that's not the case here. You're going to get 99.9999997% of the exclusive content because we're not going to make a two-hour video and there's only going to be two minutes of exclusive content. The entire video is exclusive content. We're going to keep it real, keep it 100. We're going to make sure that y'all tune in with us and we're going to get y'all what y'all need to do, which is exclusive content. He said it. He said it. He said it. Episode 96 of the duo. I'm Deontay. He's Dane. We are. Look out, boys. The duo. The duo. The duo. The duo. The duo.